Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a couple of books that came out this week. Now, comics are officially back. They've been back for a couple of weeks now. Past (laughs) two weeks, we've been reviewing almost every title that has been out. This week, we're doing a little less than that, I think, just because there's more of a metric volume of books. Uh, we like to be choosy metric. on the show. Yeah. Choosy about- moms, choosy moms choose GIF, and that's who mm. we are. <laughs> and so we're choosing the GIF of comic books here, but we're still talking about quite a bit of them because uh, Marvel, for example, only released four titles. DC's only yeah. releasing a couple of titles, etc., etc. Uh, so, but let's jump into it. This is a big one. Uh, Birds of Prey, number one, from DC Comics. Yes. Written by Brian Azzarello and pencils by uh, Manuela Lupacino. Uh, this is a black label book, so expect a little bit of the old adult content going on as Harley <laughs> Quinn comes back to Gotham, teams up with the Birds of Prey. Of course, well timed with the movie just coming out, uh, and uh, that all worked out with it for them. <laughs> wow, uh, indeed, I, I like this book a lot, though. Um, yeah. uh, Brian Azrael is great, and uh, what he does here is really sort of very carefully positions all the characters uh, in the book and in the story. Um, I love Renee Montoya sort of being a, a big figure yeah. here. Um, the the first section where um, Black Canary is talking to this guy that she dated is just so well done. It feels like the opening sequence of a movie, like, this book is awesome. The thing that I liked about it, I thought, Getting into it, I didn't even look at the page count initially. I was like, oh, okay, they're launching another another Birds of Prey book. I didn't realize it was Black Label until a couple of pages in. And I feel like they appropriately deployed the Black Label nature of it, which is something that I like about this line that I was initially dubious about. Uh, This is instead a way of saying... Okay, you could release an 80-page one-shot Birds of Prey story that you take your time on, really dig into the characters and explore. It doesn't necessarily need to be tied into continuity, and that's good. I'm glad they're doing that. It's it's yeah. a good read because of that. Yeah, and, and okay. it also covers something that I'm surprised we don't see more in Gotham. It's just somebody walking down the street, and then the head drops right in front of where you're walking. You know, it seems like that would happen a lot in Gotham. So Very I'm glad normal thing. We finally got this in this book you in know? Gotham City. That they call that good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this book is great. It's expensive. It's ten bucks, uh, so it certainly is a chunk of change to pick up. But I, I think it's worth it, particularly if you like the creators. Manuela Lupacino is just really good, really solid superhero art. Works really well with Brian Azzarello, uh, and I think it's nice. Agreed. Yeah, I think they also nail the voice as well, which is great. It does feel like these characters. So I think this is a, a really 
fun book and uh, worth it if you wanted to drop the extra loot. Normally, it kind of makes me upset when you're you're just kind of like, you know, oh, God, you just want more money from me. But it definitely is worth it. And to kind of see Harley Quinn beat somebody with a head is just worth it. It's just worth it. <laughs> really focused on the head. I uh, love that about you, Pete, as well. Next one to talk about. This is a big controversial comic. What is first announced the death of Nancy drew number one from dynamite written by Anthony Del Cole and art by Joe Eisma. The reason there was a huge controversy about this is it is the anniversary of Nancy drew and everybody got super pissed off that they were announcing, Hey, to celebrate Nancy drew, we're going to kill her and focus on the Hardy boys investigating her death instead. I'm going to give a count of three, and then I'm going to spoil the end of the book so we can actually talk about it. So if you don't want to know, turn away. Three, two, one. The cliffhanger at the end of the book is Nancy Drew is alive. She faked her own death. Of course she is. And, of course, is trying to investigate a big mystery and is pissed at the Hardy Boys for getting in the way of her mystery. Uh, And I think that's great. Like, I wish... I wish they had almost been upfront about that. Like, I know why they held back on it, but I feel like people are going to be turning against this book, which has some awesome Joe Eisma art throughout oh, in yes. particular. From Morning uh, Glories, great artist. Yeah. Great to see him back. But well, what's great is when you read it, though, you kind of know yes. as you go, especially when they start talking about the mm-hmm. car and they're like, yeah, she had like a special hatch in that car and stuff. You know, you're yeah, like she oh. had a hatch where you could you could hide, yeah. a hide hatch. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like, there's just so many mystery stories where it's like the death of Sherlock Holmes, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, the, he probably doesn't die at least at the beginning. Like, give it a, <laughs> right. give it a break. Like, uh, so I agree, and I really it really reminded me of reading the Hardy Boys books as a kid. Uh, seeing Joe and Frank and them being like very different and sort of rivals. Uh, it was, I really liked this book. Yeah, yeah, I was really impressed with it. At first, I was like, okay, Death and Dancing, whatever. But the, I was really impressed with the storytelling, the art. This is a really solid book. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I hope people do give it a chance, particularly if they're Nancy Drew fans, because there's tons of fun Easter eggs throughout as well, yeah. if you are a fan of her old series or anything like that. Uh, it It's very reminiscent of Riverdale, I think, and purposely so, even though it's not an Archie comic, where it's teen detectives grown up, they've grown apart, everything's a little darker than you're used to, um, but it's fun stuff. Uh, let's move on to another yeah. one, Nail by Your Return. I, I always oh. say, for Nancy Drew, Barchi forever. Oh, man. Here oh, come on, dude. Don't you fucking throw that bullshit in this. Hey. It doesn't belong Jancy. here. Jancy. Jancy forever. Nailbiter Returns, number one, from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson and art by Mark Henderson. We had Joshua Williamson on the live show last week for a long extended talk about this book and other books that he's working on. Um, but we were just uh, blowing smoke up his ass. This book is real good. <laughs> No, I just I mean I I don't I like this book. Like if you haven't read it before, it's about a town named uh, Buckaroo? Is that what it is? Buckaroo? Did, uh, did I get that wrong? Hey Buckaroo. I, 
I don't, I don't think it's Buckaroo. I don't think it's Buckaroo. It's definitely something like that. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name, but it's a town where there's a ridiculous amount of serial killers. In the first series, uh, we found out that it was all connected through some weird mystic ritual type oh, thing. Oh, it is Buckaroo. It is oh, Buckaroo. Buckaroo. Okay. And some experimentation, uh, specifically centered around the anti-hero of the book is a serial killer who bites off other people's nails. Uh, and we pick back up. That's so gross. It's super it's gross. It's even grosser uh, if you do it to other people's nails. Yes, that is true. Uh, And we pick up years later with this one, uh, focusing on his daughter as a new mystery starts. And I don't want to spoil the end of this book. Yes. But the end of it is such a clear, precise concept and a good reason for bringing this back. It's so smart and it's so fun. Yeah, this is a great book. I love um, the way they sort of get back into the story. They uh, touch on like the glut of murder podcasts uh, in a good way. It's great. Um, I I I'd blow smoke anywhere for this book. <laughs> Where does blow smoke blowing smoke up your ass come from? As yeah, a saying, yeah. Why would well, anyone want that? If you were in the olden times, if you were lying to somebody, you would get right down there and you'd blow smoke right up their ass. And they'd I mean, be like, I'm You're trying because like me. they used to do smoke signals. That was a saying. But blowing smoke up somebody's ass—that's I don't know why you would do that. I oh, guess if you do that, it's people would be like, oh, he's just blowing smoke up your ass. It's like, what? What is he doing? Wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> that explains all this smoke. In my ass. In my ass. <laughs> ah, that's, my, that's where my ass smoke's coming from. <laughs> Excuse me, Alex, your ass is smoking. Oh. Your ass, Alex, your ass is smoking, dude. Oh, somebody oh. must be lying to me. That's what Pete said. He said <laughs> Alex has a smoking ass. Thanks, Pete. You have a nice butt, too. Uh, Shazam number 12 from DC Comics Written by Jeff Loveness and art by Brandon Peterson I gotta tell you what When I picked up this book And when I opened up this book And I was like what the fuck this is a Jeff Johns run I got pissed off Because because there's so much Continuity and there's so much going on there And this turned out to just be a one shot Focusing on Shazam before the title Even started but by the end I was completely charmed by this And really enjoyed this issue Quite a bit it's uh, Shazam goes to Gotham City to try to prove that he's a big hero like anybody else, ends up kind of teaming up with Batman to fight the Scarecrow, and it's just a ton of fun. Yeah, the Scarecrow, I really like the Scarecrow in this issue. Also love the Crocodile dude earlier on, too. Uh, just some fun character designs. It's a great take on it. Uh, yeah, this is like a kind of, to me, like a, just a fun Shazam book. I agree. I thought this was a great story, and I, I get that you were like uh, sort of – it was felt like someone was blowing smoke up your ass uh, because it wasn't <laughs> the story that you wanted. But it really uh, – this is a great story. Batman is, is really excellently done in the back half of this book, and yeah. uh, I love the way they're portraying Shazam and the way that uh, Scarecrow's powers affect Shazam. Uh, Scarecrow's gas affects Shazam. Very cool. And also, like, really badass uh, Batman jump off the roof moment where he's like, Batman, your Superman teams up with me. Oh, yes. The, Superman teams up with me. Great line. Great the, line. Very well written. Really, again, very charming. Definitely pick it up. Like you mentioned, the Brandon Peterson art is, it weaves uh, very well into the title. It comes off of, it's yeah. not exactly Dale Eaglesham, but it's very close to that style. Uh, great one shot. I, I'm very surprised about this one. Let's move on to a Marvel wait, wait, comic real quick book. before you move on. Um, yeah, 
Back in the 1700s, doctors literally blew smokes up people's rectums. It was a mainstream medical procedure to resuscitate people who are presumed dead. Shut the fuck up. So if you like, maybe it's like, oh, he drowned. They were like, well, let's just blow smoke up his ass to see if he's still alive. And sometimes people would be like, huh, huh, I'm alive. Thanks no for way that revived. There's no way that worked one time. They, they, it was so popular that the equipment to blow smoke up people's asses was hung alongside major waterways, such as the River <laughs> Thames. Just walking along the waterway, stuck, stick some smoke up your ass. What was it? Just like one of those fireplace, like kind of like. Yes, uh, a bellows. It was a yeah, bellows. Bellow. A bellows in <laughs> wow. a tube. Whew. That's oh, how I want. I'm, I want an alarm clock that wakes me up every morning that way. Oh. Get me I, out of bed. Get me I, out why did you put that stack. image in my head? I don't think we can get any bigger on this podcast. I think we're done with the podcast at this point because yeah. we've peaked in terms we've of information we can impart on people. Yeah. Scream number six from Marvel Comics, <laughs> written by Clay <laughs> McLeod Chapman and art by Chris uh, Mooneyham. This is spinning off of Carnage and Absolute Carnage and Venom and everything else. Uh, and Pete, you must have loved this because this is Scream, a symbiote. Fighting Punisher, who's a villain, a loser, a loser, and Sandman, another loser. (laughs) All right, first, uh, slow your roll. Okay, so this book is weird because it's like it's a more of a team up than it is them fighting. It's weird because like all of a sudden everybody's after the same person. I. I liked this comic, but also kind of drove me a little crazy because it was like, okay, we all have the same enemy, and then we're fighting over who gets to kill the bad guy. And I didn't know, like, Sandman had, like, these weird compartments in him that were bottomless and people could live down there and shit. (laughs) So the idea of the book is that Scream is tracking down a pedophile, Jeffrey Epstein-style. As you should. At the same time as Punisher is tracking down the same pedophile, and Sandman is also tracking down that pedophile. And as Pete mentioned, they all want to kill him, but in slightly different ways is, I think, what's going on. At, at it was a weird talk. Sandman feels the weirdest uh, to be there. Yeah. Um, but it does lead to some great, like, uh, he basically opens a hotel in his body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this felt like they took two comics and jammed them together because at the same time as they're dealing with this whole big supervillain fight or anti-hero fight, I guess. There's also some people who are in a cult of the She-Goblin or Lady Goblin or whatever she's called, Lady Demo-Goblin, who are also kidnapping kids. So it's like half and half an issue. The Creepers. Yeah, The Creepers, there you go. Uh, I think Chris Woodyham's art is pretty good. Yeah, I like the art in this a lot. It it did feel like there was so much going on. I will say I liked the way it ended. Like... Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of just like a nonstop horror uh, book is cool to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Reaver number eight from Image Comics, written by Justin Jordan and art by Nico uh, Henrichan. This is a book that we've talked about quite a bit here on the show. This is a fantasy epic. What we were talking on the live show about fantasy epics, completely blanked on this. Um, oh. But this is 
basically like a dirty dozen in a fantasy world where everything has gone to shit. And at this point, we're focusing on the big burly dude who is unstoppable and the small sharp tooth lady who likes to eat people teaming up, going after a girl. Um, this is a talkier issue than usual. Yeah, this but I is still you think like- the action is great. Yeah, I agree. This felt like a real departure from the other issues in the series. Um, but I, I still like it. I like, I like spe- specifically, I like these two characters. They're the most fun characters yeah. in the book. So I like that they were highlighted here. Yeah, this is nice. I mean, the art is fantastic. Some great kind of storytelling. But yeah, it's a lot of like kind of sitting around talking. But you still get uh, some real kind of like badass moments. And uh, again, it's a bunch of people kidnapping kids. I don't know why that's a fucking theme right now, but uh, yeah, let's you know, let's kill people let's... who kidnap kids. You know what I mean? Great, yeah, great, good, good stats, Pete. Agrisuko number three from Odie Press, written and illustrated by Brenda Hickey. This is picking up off the Netflix anime series that is about a cartoon fox. She works at a Regular old office, but can't uh, express her female rage in the office, except outside of the office through metal music. Um, I got to tell you, I've never watched the show. I've heard great things about it, but I just haven't had a chance to check it out now. But I really like this book a lot. Uh, I thought it was very fun and very precise. It starts off with a Canadian goose named Karen, who shows up at the office <laughs> and starts explaining all the things that are wrong in the office and very, like, the jokes, the office jokes are very precise throughout, I think, yeah. but ultimately they find a, a, a common ground between the two of them against their male chauvinist literal pig boss, uh, and I thought it was a really fun story. I was glad we read this one. Yeah, I yeah. like the way it really okay. it landed. Like, I think um, some of the office stuff at the, in the first half, I was like, uh, okay. And then mm-hmm. the way it mm-hmm. ended, I thought was really, really nice and really sweet. Yeah, I mean, what's so good about this is, yeah, it's cartoony and kind of like fun. But like this office stress, like I was stressed out reading it. Like, you know, the stuff that she's going through, like all of a sudden there's a new person there and she's got to like show them around and like she's kind of taking apart her office and what she does. So like I was really feeling the stress of that and kind of was stressing me out. But yeah, I really love the landing. There you go. Definitely pick that one up. Forceworks 2020, number three from Marvel Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Juan and Ramirez. It was the final issue of the tie-in to the whole Iron Man 2020 revo- robot revolution thing that's going on. Uh, and this is just a lot of fun. This is exactly yeah. what I think you expect from Matthew Rosenberg. Bunch of weird heroes fighting against MODOK and Ultimo. Spoiler, but ultimately MODOK takes over Ultimo and becomes Modultimo, is what I think uh, it is. <laughs> no, that's 100% wrong. Ultimodoc. Ultimodoc, thank you. Uh, that makes much more sense as a pun. Uh, and I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think this is like Matthew Rosenberg does such a good job of writing ridiculous over-the-top superhero situations, just making them work for the characters. Yeah, I agree. Like, he is such a, just a a good, reliable writer that can just take whatever series. uh, When we had him on the show, he was sort of like, 
I want to do four strokes. They were like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> and he just takes it and really like tells a great story, really gets the characters, has fun with them, and uh, finds a way to have great action, um, funny moments, and really land like a, a meaningful narrative at the end. Yeah, the ending is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I really like... Because you have all these people who are so different and fighting. You're like, all right, guys, we got to pull it together for the mission. Come on, you know. But, like, it really works out really well. He does such a great job with keeping people individuals, but having them work as a team in a way that really feels genuine to who they are as characters. And it really comes through and pulls off a, a fantastic ending. Uh, and what I also liked about it, it wasn't like a fake ending where, you know, kind of the Captain America figure at the end was like, no, no, guys, it was all for you or whatever. It was just kind of like a nice kind of reveal just for one other team member that this guy kind of really wasn't an asshole the whole time. There you go. Uh, let's move on to an IDW book, Ragnarok, The Breaking of Helheim, number five, story and art by Walter Simonson. I'll tell you what, I've heard of this book. I've never checked it out. I'm so glad we did because I'm such yeah. a huge fan of uh, Thor by Walter Simonson and Walter Simonson in general. I had no idea this was essentially him just continuing to write and draw Thor. Yeah. That's, a, that's all it is. It's that's wild. It, it feels like it's very Shakespearean. It feels like, I mean, Walter Simonson is such a like Thor iconic Thor uh, creator. Like this is like his the Tempest of for Thor, and it's cool. It's so good. Yeah, this kind of like skull Thor is so badass. I love yeah, this dead Thor. I couldn't get enough of this shit. This was like Spawn the Dark Ages type of kind of like drawing. These characters are all kind of medieval badass looking people, and it's it's really kind of beautiful in a fucked up way but what a great cool story the twisted turns that it takes this this is very enjoyable book yeah so this is uh thor fighting his way through hell with ratatusk the squirrel uh, on his shoulder the entire time and uh fighting against hella and fighting the hordes of hell and it's Great. If you are a fan of Walter Simonson or North mythology, Norse mythology, excuse me, or anything like that, definitely check this out. I'm yeah. going to go back and read the previous issues. I had no idea. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit on the live show as well. Far Sector, number six from DC Comics, story by N.K. Jemison and art and color by Jamal Campbell. This is... A pretty not a hard sci-fi story, but uh, harder than usual for Green Lantern sci-fi story about a new Green Lantern on the farthest sector possible. She is on a world where people have turned off their emotions. There's three different types of beings who live there. She's investigating a bunch of different weird mysteries that are happening there. Uh, this is great. It's really good. Like, we've talked about this so much, and I, I think we said before, like, of all the books that we talk about or when people are like, what's a comic that um, you want people to read? This book comes up by far the most. Um, so if you haven't checked this out and are into just sci-fi or interesting character-driven uh, stories uh, set in space, like, it's, it's just so good. Um, there's this whole thing about, like, uh, suppressing emotions and the value in that and the value in not doing that that just is the undertone for this whole uh the half of this book and then it, we get some action uh throughout as well it's great yeah i mean the art alone is worth uh picking this up but yeah this is such a creative fun take 
on, you know, maybe not one of your favorite characters ever, if you're like me, Green Lantern. And it's just done in such a great way where you're not dealing with all the bullshit and all the fucking rings and the weaknesses and all that fucking shit. It's just about a very interesting character trying to kind of like piece together mysteries and like why things happen and how things happen in a completely different world. Uh, It's just... It's knocking it out of the park. I can't recommend this book enough. I'll also mention this is a good jumping on point. If you haven't been reading the book, there's a very fun recap page right at the beginning that simply explains the concept. This starts a new mystery that I assume eventually will tie into the other big mysteries of the book. Um, but if you definitely read the previous five issues, but if you haven't and want to start here, that's totally fine too. Let's yeah. move on to a final issue. Critical role Vox Machina origins. Number six from dark horse script by Jody Hauser and art by Olivia. Samson. This is, of course, a spinoff of the popular podcast of the same name. When are we going to get our comic book is my main question. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I guess we would probably have to figure out what would happen in a comic book yeah. that we were the characters mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely would be the uh, guy with a giant axe, though. I want to just put that out there. Right. So on Critical Role, they play role-playing games and they act out these characters. So this is adapting those characters. That makes a lot of sense. So our comic book would be us sitting around and doing podcasts. Oh yeah. It's probably not fun to read. Fun. But this is, uh, it's a, it's a comic about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nice Seinfeld there. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is fun. The art's fantastic. You know, it's kind of a classic D and D type of story. If you will, you know, there's uh, wizards and violence and fun. Uh, yeah, I think it's a cool book. Did you ever play that when you were growing up? Wizards and violence and fun? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> how I live my life. Oh, okay. It was a much easier uh, game to get in than D&D. <laughs> yeah. Very short uh, book. You have one stat. And yeah. That's it. Have fun, uh, bros, is what the pamphlet said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is this is a fun book. I mean, I because I don't listen to the podcast, I didn't know. I could tell this was that stuff was happening that I should know. Um, so it's hard to know exactly what was going on. But just the the main story, I thought was cool. They had to gather these objects to save their friend, and um, I guess you have to read to see if they do. There you go. Next up from Boom Studios, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Every Generation Number One, written by Nilla Magruder, Morgan Beam, and Lauren Garcia, uh, and Caitlin Yarsky, illustrated by Lauren Knight, Morgan Beam, and Caitlin Yarsky. This is three short tales of the Slayers throughout the different generations, as you could probably figure out from the title. Uh, this was very pleasantly reminiscent to me of the old Dark Horse Buffy comic books where they had the Tales for the Slayers anthology, and I believe this is essentially the same idea. So as usual, you're going to get kind of like a mixed bag of stories. Some you might like, some you might not. Uh, in particular, the first story is a big Buffy story, as far as I can gather, it seems like it's the last Buffy story is kind of what they're telling. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like if Buffy failed and what right. she would do. And I thought that was cool. Um, not knowing that that's what this book was, uh, I was I really liked the first story. Yeah, I, yeah. I did too. I think the art's fantastic. Uh, it's a really cool uh, story. Another story kind of taking place of uh, someone going down to hell to kind of take care of business. Uh, but yeah, great, 
art, but you know, it's kind of hurts too to think about Buffy failing. I don't like to think like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next two stories, I thought the a- art was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yes. The second story is the I think was one. Haitian, maybe something yeah. like that. The second uh, story, the the art was really great. Oh, so good. Just really beautiful, like demon teaming up with the Slayer. She finds out the demons aren't as evil as she thought. Uh, And the third one is about a Slayer in, I want to say the 1920s, maybe, going or 1910s, going into a nunnery and fighting some nun vampires. But again, very good art in that one, too. And the last splash page in particular was very good. So if you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you're a fan of the franchise, if you like the old Tales for the Slayer book, this is one to check out. Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, yeah. number five from Marvel Comics, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam and art by Scott Hepburn. This is the last issue of this title. This is a uh, slightly more serious take on Cosmic Ghost Rider as he battles Mephisto Goddamn for Mephisto. multiple souls. What did you think about this wrap up here? Uh, This was great. I mean, this is just kind of like Punisher kind of making the sacrifice for others, you know, not thinking about himself. You know, maybe he could have been a little smarter at the end there. But uh, this is just great art, you know, kind of badass. uh, Just this combo of like uh, Punisher heightened to this kind of crazy degree is fun. It's just, you know, it sucks that I... You know, I want every time I see Mephisto, I want him to die horribly, and it sucks I don't get it. So it's it's a little frustrating. Yeah, he, he keeps on going. Stay out of Vegas. Fucking, that's where he lives now. Yeah. What do you um, think about this one, Justin? I liked it. Uh, I I really like Dennis uh, Dennis Hopeless Hallam's work. Um, so this is a cool story. This is um, I like the Punisher in here. Is sort of like I'm beyond punishing. <laughs> I'm sick of punishing, and I appreciate yeah. that because I'm sick of. Punisher. Hey, fuck you, man. I want to say, though, that last page of just like a giant kind of badass picture of him on the bike was just so fucking magical. It's sort of a very sad ending. Yeah. Uh, Next one to talk about, very curious to hear Pete's take on this one. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 271 from IDW, written by Larry Hama and art by Robert Atkins. Pete, what what's happening in this book? Dude, first off, <laughs> fucking respect to the Hama, dude. This guy is still killing it after all these years. Uh, all he does is crank out just glorious stuff. I, I, you know, I don't know if you're not a fan of the old, like, cartoon series or the comic book if this is like fun for you but just the fucking roll call that they have to do just like saying all these crazy names out loud is so much fun it's funny you bring that up because that's exactly what i i never watched gi joe when i was a kid my mom was like you can't watch gi joe and this comic felt like someone lined up their action larry hama (laughs) lined up his action figures like i know my story yeah so let me (laughs) let me run down this list and Pete, I want you to, to as the GI Joe fan, I want you to tell me which of these Joes are not real that I'm adding to this list of GI Joes. Oh wow, this is going to be tough. Okay, ready. Uh, this is from the comic. Listen up, Grand Slam, Flash, Zap, Airborne, Top Hat, Gung Ho, Tripwire, Jingle Bells, Blowtorch, Rakondo, Mutt, Ripcord. Mm-hmm. 
Dingleberry. Well, Dingleberry is not one. You've all. The, the, do you want me to stop you whenever you say one that isn't right, or just let you go through all I, the way to? Just see if you can remember if I uh, was, if I say any. Roadblock. Roadblock. Spirit. Yep. Podcast. Nope. Airtight. Ziploc. <laughs> Ziploc is not one. Zipline is one. Alpine is real. Barbecue. Yep. Uh, overcooked ribs. Nope. Bazooka. Bazooka's one. You're all in bus number two. Yeah, dude. I, Can I just mention, this is one of my problems with G.I. Joe. Oh, one of the reasons that you. I never... No, one, one of the reasons that I ever got into it is like, it's this mishmash of things where it's like, <laughs> I'm barbecue, yeah. so naturally I have a flamethrower where I barbecue people, and I'm fine with that. But then there's people who are like, my name is Mixbox, and That's I do name. literally anything. And it's like, I, I don't know what this character is. Like, choose a lane. Dude, come on. Joe. They're very, uh, they make sense. Like, Dr. Mindbender, you know what you're getting with that. This is what I'm saying, though. It's like 50% of them make sense, and the other 50% are nonsense. Not nonsense. Yes. It's, it's also that thing on the the bus. Like the other thing that bothered me about it, like the, that shot. They're all the bus. Oh, so the great! Shot, and they all the say, panel, "Yo, Joe!" They're all the bus, and he's like, "Okay, you ready, GI Joe?" And they're like, "Yo, Joe, that was get a, a fucking uniform. You're in the army. No. Dress the same. What are you doing? See, There's no cohesiveness the here. No, what's great is they get to be who they are. They get to be their own individual person. They don't have to conform. The X Men all have X's on, so you know they're on a team. I don't the Avengers care. the same I, thing. I don't want them all to coordinate their outfits. That's bullshit. This is you think ah, you think the re- the real army should be able to be like, all right. What's your thing? <laughs> uh, this isn't the I real army. Full... We're not talking about the real army. I'm a, I'm water ski. I wear water skis everywhere. <laughs> That's my thing. Water ski also not a. Also, can we talk about the snake eyes thing? Where they keep cutting back to the scene with snake eyes. Well, first who, off, I guess watch yourself. Like... Do not talk bad about fucking snake eyes. My I problem say is Pete. not snake eyes. My problem is the other character in the scene who I don't know who it is. What is she was a woman, so she's like woman or or something oh, like that because that's it. her specialty. They say her name anyway. later on, and she's Female. new and she's not sure if she's into Cobra. Like you know, she's like, oh, you know, I'll join Cobra. It seems okay. Like anyway, cool. she's and looking at Snake Eyes. She's like, I swear to God, Snake Eyes, don't you get up for that bed? And he gets up for that bed. And she's like, Snake Eyes, don't you put your hands on those bars? Yeah. And then he puts his head on the bars, and she's, it keeps going. She's snake like, Eyes. Don't you no, oh, you got she's a not, he's not going to get shot, so he's calling her bluff. It's a smart move. You got a lockpick? Don't you pick that lock, Snake Eyes. Oh, no. What are, what are you doing with your hat? It ends with him being like, what are you doing with your hands? Stop doing that with your hands. She doesn't do anything. Here's the thing, though. Snake Eyes should really be like a gambler. Why is he a ninja? Uh, yeah. It's a whole thing. Like, he can't talk. You know, it's a... That doesn't have anything to do with Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes is just a badass name that you give to somebody who's badass. That's how it works. He should be Sneaky Sword. (laughs) Doesn't have the same ring. Well, I think, as you can tell, all three of us agree this book makes no sense. Moving on. Let me say real quick, real quick. We talked about a G.I. Joe book last week on the stack, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. This book is uh, not this. This book is not amazing, but it's wildly different. But to Pete's point, he said last week. Whenever you don't know what to do in G.I. Joe, throw Snake Eyes in there. Yeah. And that's literally what this book does. <laughs> so I just wanted to say, like, this uh, Larry Hama knows who he's writing to. And this is like... He knows Joe's. He, it, 
it brought me right back to a kid watching Saturday morning cartoons, being excited about people suiting up for the big mission. And like Snake Eyes is always off to the side doing his thing, you know, and he's going to join up with him. It's just a matter of time. This was, I love this book. It doesn't make sense. It's probably weird to outsiders, but Larry Hama is a legend and he's killing it. It's just crazy that he was able to meet up with um, Lawn (laughs) Moe. It's Uh, not real. Nope. (laughs) Pig Broach. Nope. (laughs) Big Hands. Bookcase. Nope. Uh, there we go. Copra number six from Image Comics by Michael Fife. This is a much more understandable book, I think, than the G.I. Joe what book. What are you talking <laughs> no, about? Uh, this, <laughs> this is uh, Michael Fife doing this very surreal take on epic superhero battle comic books. It's mostly, at least in the front, a bunch of splash pages giving you a sense of what might go on in an epic superhero bottle, uh, but in a very dreamlike state. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stories beyond that. What'd you think about this one? I love this. I thought this was so cool. I mean, we've, we've read a bunch of Copra over the years, um, but this is just, it was really cool. Each page gives you so much to just like look at and take in. And it's all really like smart and um just I, I thought it was great. Such a refreshing read. Yeah, it was uh, the art's fantastic. Some really great kind of storytelling. It was a little tough because there's no words, which I hate saying out loud. Uh, I had to kind of look this over a couple of times to try to see what was going on. But very artistic, very cool. Definitely worth picking up. Yeah, this is great, particularly for the art. It is a big package, too. It's a oversized comic book, so great one to pick up. Next up, Backtrack, number three from Oni Press, written and created by Brian Jones and illustrated by Jake Elphick. Uh, this is such a smart, such a precise comic. If you haven't been, uh, concept, excuse me, if you haven't been reading this book, it's a, it's essentially Cannonball Run Through Time, uh, yeah. where it's a car race but they're traveling through time. It's deadly. They might not make it back. If you ever watch the series Drive that only ran for a very short period of time on Fox, uh, where it was a similar sort of thing, but without time travel, where it was essentially a death race, um, I, I really enjoyed this a lot. I thought this was great. I agree. It was such a smart take on just time travel or like being mixed up in time. Very cool. The art, if you're a fan of Raphael Albuquerque, yeah. it is like right there. Um, with uh, his work on American Vampire, very good. Yeah, this is very interesting. A lot of unique characters in this, which is great. It's a very unique, interesting story that you. Uh, I, I was like, I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm having a lot of fun. This is so ready-made for TV, this thing. Like, this is... It yeah. works as a comic book. I enjoy it as a comic book, but it's just, like, right across the plate in terms of these are episodes of a TV show. They travel to a different time period. There's an ongoing arc mysteries about what's going on in the background with this race. There's weirdness with it. It's so smart. Yeah. Uh, next one from Marvel comics, Avengers of the wasteland. Number five, written by Ed Bryson and art by Jonas Sharp. This is, I think essentially tying up probably the wasteland books that Ed Bryson has been doing for a while now uh, and other folks have been doing for a while now. Uh, This is bringing together a lot of those threads uh, where uh, picking up on uh, Old Man Logan, where finally 
all of the spoiler, but they've taken it the fight to the final supervillain who has taken over the world, who is Doom in New York, the new Avengers who have risen risen up throughout the wasteland have taken the fight to him. Uh, this is great. This is just post apocalyptic Marvel comics done in exactly the right way. Yeah, I yeah I was really impressed with this. Uh, it's one of those ones where like you read it and then you kind of like want to reread it. Uh, just because of the ending, because like it starts off and uh, Doom just looking at this painting of himself. And it's not until you get the end that you really kind of get what he's doing there. But um, just interesting kind of take on it. It's very cool. The art's fantastic. I think this is a good comic. Yeah, I agree. It's a it. I like I want more of books like this where it's just like a big swing a post-apocalyptic story in the Marvel Universe. Next one to talk about from Dynamite. This is a big book. The Boys, Dear Becky, number one, written by Garth Ennis and illustrated by Ross Braun. This is Garth Ennis coming back to The Boys Wow, almost, I don't know, five, ten years later, something like that. Whatever it is, it's set. A decade after the last book, uh, we, Huey, and Annie are back in Scotland, I want to say. Yeah, Ireland, Ireland. Sorry, uh, wherever we Huey is from, they're back there. Uh, <laughs> and he he's interacting uh, with an old friend of his, uh, but there's hints of Scottish town. Out. They're in a Scottish town, Scotland, Scotland. Yeah, uh, they're back in Scotland, uh, and most of it is taken up with that. It's a very classic, like Garth Eddis, just conversation comic book, but Butcher's past comes back to haunt Huey in a big way by the end of the book. It is such a joy to revisit this world. I'm so happy he wrote this. Yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be, um, this book was sort of a, a real sort of, sort of slipping into it. Like we don't know wh exactly what the story is going to be. It's really just like a catch up with everybody. Uh, well, not even everybody, just really Huey and some of, uh, flashback, flashback butcher stuff. Um, so I'm curious what's going to happen, where it's going to go. Excited to keep reading. Yeah, it was great to kind of get back into this fucked up world. Um, Garth Ennis, you know, he loves this kind of shit. Uh, it's violent. It's fucked up. Uh, but man, is it interesting. And just seeing Huey as this like a Simon Pegg type character, it's just kind of a... Uh, it's fun to be back here, and I'm so glad uh, the Garth Ennis came back for this. Uh, Ross Braun's art also flows very well from Derek Robinson's art from the book, yeah. which is nice to see. Uh, and to spoil a bit from it, I can't believe after doing so many issues of The Boys and writing so many other comic books, uh, in the flashback, we see Butcher, when he used to work with Mallory, a cornering an 11 year old boy in a bathroom and tearing out his tongue. And you Ugh. don't realize until they tear out his tongue that the boy is very clearly Billy Batson and they've taken out his tongue and he just goes, fafam, fafam yeah. over and over. And he can't Smartly actually done. say the word. So, so gross and smart and perfect with the boys in exactly the right way. Uh, great stuff. Uh, we should also mention, uh, we're going to be starting up a boys podcast setting up, Season two of the show, we're going to recap briefly every episode of the show from season one, getting into season two, whenever that's coming out. Uh, so look for that coming very soon. 
couple of other books yep. to talk about before we wrap up here. Star Trek Year 5, number 11 I, from IDW, written by Jazz, Jackson Lanzig and Colin Ketty, uh, art by Stephen Thompson. This is basically James Bond versus the Enterprise is the way of putting it, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, like sort of weird original series, like um, just a random guy in a suit's a bad guy, and he can like do magic. Basically, it's very interesting. <laughs> Pete, you love this, though. Yeah, I love this. This is like, uh, you know, I I didn't read much like Star Trek comics. Uh, you know, uh, Star Trek isn't kind of like my wheelhouse, but like I really like this approach. It was, you know. Spock and Captain Kirk and all the guys, all the people that I know uh, from the TV show. And like uh, it was very unique, very interesting to see the kind of problem solving happening in the in the moment. A lot of action, a lot of kind of nice moments between the characters. I was really impressed with this. I felt like this really uh, brought it to life in such a kind of cool, creative way, even though when you say the kind of like premise of it it's not like oh i'm gonna check it out but it's really well written and there's like a talking cat in there as well like it's just fucked up enough that really keeps it uh creative and and, and keeps you reading and, and it's very i just thought it was very interesting and cool it feels very much in line with some of the weirder ep- weirder episodes from the original series and that's fun because there's really nothing else like original series Star Trek in all of sci-fi. Last one to talk about the Red Mother number five from Boom Studios written by Jeremy Hahn and illustrated by Danny Luckard. Uh, This is a pretty surreal horror comic, but this is... I would say a calmer issue of it, all things relatively speaking, uh, even though it starts with a shadow monster chasing a woman onto the subway right at the beginning of the book. Um, the true star here to me is Danny Luckert's art, uh, just horrific and gorgeous and haunting in exactly the right way. Yeah, the, just the, this comic felt oh. it felt like having a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it really does, and it's like just the kind of face stuff of the characters, like especially after the stuff that happens in the subway, just like the way they just kind of focus and sit on the main character's face. Uh, Just so powerful. So well done. It's like a nightmare Miyazaki kind of villain with just like all black and the kind of white face thing. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's really kind of an interesting comic. Yep, good stuff. All right, if you want to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to the internet on Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you there. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live to check us out socially. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you next week on the internet. And we'll we'll have with us all of our favorite Joes like dance belt, uh, mole <laughs> removal, nope, uh, no <laughs> haircut, no. Come on, man, shipwreck, um, roadblock. You know those are nah. Those sound fake. Those, those sound, sound fake. fake. Those aren't real. Shipwreck. Yeah. Come on, I like love boat. <laughs> it's not a weird one. <laughs>